Hi folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we start this podcast. Uh, we have a lot coming out this week, including a conversation that we just had uh, earlier this morning with Dirige Alameu, who is the global director of the Global Alliance for Tax Justice, and it is a must-hear. That is available now on patreon.com forward slash tortoise and along with that, there are four or five others scheduled, including obviously coverage of the ongoing um, issues, shall we say, around the National Maternity Hospital. We'll be covering student debt in the US and will it be dropped and actually the links that it has to Ireland which are very interesting Um, and we are going to be discussing Ukraine unfortunately as we continue to cover that there were all of those are are already um, in the diary and they will be coming to you on the Patreon feed as soon as I can turn them around would really appreciate if you could join us we do need that support the podcast itself it's just not sustainable without people helping us out so we do that and without ads without sponsors we do it because you people can actually pay it forward and how you do that is you go to patreon.com forward slash tortoise you pick a level and you help us keep those mics on and pay the bills i'll let you enjoy the podcast now thank you for the support really appreciate it Hello and welcome to this special episode of Police the Beat, um, where I'm joined by me, Dr. Vicky Conway, joined by Tony Groves, host of the Echo Chambers podcast. And we're really delighted today to be joined um, by Lucy Smith, who is a long-term activist in the space and director of Ugly Mugs Ireland. Um, and she's going to talk to us about some recent issues around sex workers' safety in Ireland. Um, and some of the listeners will have seen the piece recently in The Examiner, um, looking at concerns about um, sex worker safety. So, Lucy, can you tell us um, the, the background to that story that got coverage this week? Yes, um, we have a lot of problems um, with sex worker safety in Ireland. But one problem that we have is that um, there is a subgroup within the group of people who are attacking and abusing sex workers who claim to be Gardaí or use threats of the Guardi, like I've got friends in the Guardi, and that type of thing. Um, and it was decided that Ugly Mugs doesn't normally talk to the media. Um, and, and for, you know, there's reasons for that, like, you know. <laughs> um, but, but it was decided we, we, should, we should, it was time to highlight some issues that are going on, that we need to speak out about some things. And it was decided this would be um, a good thing to speak out about, because it's something we've clearly brought to the Garda's attention for many years um, with very solid evidence of it. And um, if they haven't ignored it, I don't know about that. You know, I mean, it appears they just ignore the problem. And it's the problem which I would least expect them to ignore. I know from speaking to National Ugly Mugs in the UK, they said that actually people impersonating police is the number one crime that they get a fast response on from UK police forces. Because um, obviously, um, perception-wise, this looks terrible on the guards. Um, it could be the case that none of these people are guardy, and it would still look terrible on the guards, perception-wise. And so you would think for their own reputation, um, if nothing else, that they would try to do something about this. But there doesn't seem to be any interest in any area of violence against sex workers, including this one. And we wanted to highlight to people that um, this is going on and that the Guardian are not acting and they're not taking any responsibility or doing anything about it. 
You raised and, it in 2019. Um, sorry, Vicky. Is, is there, was that the was that the first time that it was raised? Oh, oh gosh, no. I've been raising this. I've been raising this for the cards for like 20 years. But that was just an example of there was a large written communication um, and hundreds of very detailed reports were handed over at a point in 2019 that um, uh, Aoife asked me to kind of um, obviously as a good journalist to back up my story that I, I had been saying this to the Guardian for a long time. And so that was one of the things we focused on, like an interact, some interactions in 2019, where we'd I very clearly provided the Guardian with a lot of information about this. Um, do you have a sense of the scale of the issue? Um, well, there are hundreds of incidents, um, you know, per year. That's the, the scale that I know of. Um, and I would also be um, keen to point out that not everybody uses ugly mugs and not everybody reports everything to ugly mugs. Um, there's, there is, at the same time, I mean, some people have felt that when I say um, people proportion to be guards, what I actually mean is guards. But I don't actually mean that. There is a problem with guard of sexual violence against women and against women in sex work in particular. I feel I do feel that. Um, but it's wrong to assume to assume that um, this story was all about that. They are overlapping issues uh, in my mind, not the same issue. Um, it, it is not the case that all of the people purporting to be guardi are guardi. We can tell that just by studying it. We 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 know we know. We found out they're not all Gardaí. Um, yes, it is also an, an issue, in my opinion, that Gardaí are frequently sexually exploiting sex workers. But that's almost a separate issue. And it's interesting. Like I'm assuming there's a degree here to which the current legislative regime kind of enables this type of conduct by men. Um, yes. I mean, the 27 legislation has made things worse. Um, I, I don't like, I never like simplifying it down to just the 2017 legislation, which criminalized the purchase for sex and um, increased brothel keeping penalties. Um, because it's a lot of things. I mean, there wasn't a care about the safety of sex workers before that legislation. There has never been any policing policy published on how to police sex work or sex trafficking. Unlike forces all over the UK and Canada, North America have had lengthy public documents and discussions. Um, so we've been missing so much for so long that there's no doubt that bringing in legislation, which 98% of sex workers surveyed, and I'm referring there to the Queen's University study in Belfast, which actually covered the Republic of Ireland before the law, um, you know, didn't want and felt would make them unsafe, has obviously not um, helped. And I think sex workers have been proven right. First, it has made them more vulnerable. It has enabled organized crime to um, thrive Um and it's it, it certainly, as you would expect, if you take a group of people and you do something to them, which they don't want done to them and they believe will harm them greatly, it, it has, of course, harmed them. Um, and I, I think the predictions that people made that um, it would increase violence, they are, they are correct. But I also am keen to like not put it down to it's just this law and all we have to do is fix this law. Because it's, it's not just this law. It's not just this law at all. The policing of sex work has been appalling for a very long time. And that's got nothing to do with this law in a way, um, you could say, you know, and there's a lot we could do to make sex workers safe, which have nothing to do with this law. Um, this law isn't stopping the police um, take crime against sex workers seriously. You know, that, that's the guard's policy, but they, they, they don't care. That's, that's, that's where they are. They don't care about the welfare of people in sex work. 
Um, and it's not the 2017 law which has, has made it that way. It was like that before, and it's like that since. You, sorry, go ahead, Vicky. Go ahead. Yeah, no, but it, like I, I suppose I'm wondering, is it like this coinciding of things where you have this pre-existing issue with how sex work is being policed and how sex workers don't feel safe to go to the police and how they're going to be treated if they do go to report a crime. And then you have um, male purchasers who are now concerned about criminalization and you put that together and the easy answer is pretend to be a guard. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and also not pay. I mean, that's something that's very common like but nowadays that uh, people are, you know, going and they're just not paying for the point that they, you know, they see that as a kind of way of it not being, you know, if they don't pay, then it's not a crime kind of thing, you know. So it's empowered people a lot more theft of return of money after the service because people feel a uh, sort of sense of security that I haven't paid now. So I'm all good. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, the, the policing has been particularly bad since the law came in. The Protective Service Bureau, um, the head of that bureau, you know, has sent out a very hard message. Um, he's now recently retired. Um, but uh, I was talking, talking about over the last couple of years, um, broadly, like he's sent out a very, very hard message that, um, you know, he's into raids, he's into, um, enforcement and, you know, certainly speaking to sex workers, sex workers that he's met, you know, have had come away, you know, shaking, <laughs> like, you know, um, it's been a very, very hostile relationship between the guards and sex workers since this law came in. But it has gotten worse. Uh, yeah. Just you, you referenced, though, you know, the, the frustration of many years here, but, but Ugly Mugs op- operates in lots of lots of jurisdictions and lots of countries um we we keep talking about you know the arguments that are ongoing and i only spoke to uh green td nessa hurrigan earlier this morning about some of the stuff that's happening at committee stage in terms of um violence and and how she's even in a fight internally i don't think she might be saying trying to make sure sex workers are included in some of the gender-based violence that's taking place but are there other jurisdictions that you're involved with where you say well I, well actually not that anything maps across but anything that that we that you say well hang on this is this 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 should be something that we should just take up this is something that I would love to see as change right now um yeah i mean first of all to say about ugly mug schemes it's an idea which originated in australia in the 1980s and there are ugly mug schemes all over the world but they're not linked together so we're not like part of a network um I would have friendly relations with um, other ugly mug schemes. Um, and I would certainly like definitely one of the things that frustrates me most is when people sort of say there's nothing we can do to make sex workers safer. There is so much we could do. It would make such a huge difference if we could just have some published policy on policing of prostitution and sex trafficking. That would make such a huge impact. Um, the lack of transparency, which is a more general thing across the Gardaí, you know, um, it's not that we don't have problems. So say in say in a city like London, it's not that we don't have problems with police behaving badly. We do. But the fact of the matter is that we can make an FOI request and we can ask them, how many welfare checks have you conducted um, this month? And they have the answer. And, you know, when they're um, going before discipline committees, we can actually go in and we can actually sit down and we can watch them do that. Um, with the Gardaí, there's, there's this, you know, I mean, something, something guards have said to me many times over the years, like, you know, they receive information. And what they mean by that is that, like, they receive information from ugly mugs, but they do not give information to ugly mugs. Whereas with other police forces, um, 
you know, with PSNI, we've got them con- contacting us constantly with warnings for sex workers of um, dangers that they've um, um, know, know about and want to share information. There's a genuine engagement, whereas with the Gardaí, it's this, they have a boss, they talk, um, we can give them some information, they will receive it, but there will be no discussion as to what they do um, with that information. I remember once ringing, like, when I had a classic case of, like, literally a girl escaped from a trafficking situation and her friend was left behind. And she rang me in hysterics, you know, got my friends in this house. She gave me the full address and everything. I said, look, don't worry, I'm going to ring the guards, okay? I'm, you know, your friend's going to get out, like, you know? And I remember speaking to this guard and asking him, you know, can you confirm to me you're going to do something about this? And him saying, no, I can confirm to you that I've received the information which you've given me, you know? But I'm not here to provide you the information. And I'm thinking, you know, how can I go back to this lady and say, you know, I have reported this to the guards and I presume they're going to do something, but they won't actually tell me they are. Um, so the guards are really, have been really nasty um, and unkind and abusive towards um, most people in the sex work community for a very long time. Um, it's not a universal experience. There are also, there are also um, lots of guards um, who behave um nicely who work hard who um you know it wouldn't be fair to say these things off um but unfortunately um those guys don't have the power to make changes they don't have the power to bring in um policy change they don't have the power to make this an issue of importance within the guardi so they can work very hard on an individual level and i have sympathy for them and sometimes they come to me and they say look we are working really hard and we're trying really hard and we're doing our best and i don't disbelieve them but it's not enough um, for there to be like little pockets of guards trying their best in areas, you know, out of their own sense of goodwill. Um, but, you know, we need a national top down policy coming. You know, it needs to be an issue which is cared about at commissioner level, like um, assistant commissioner level, you know, that type of level. You know, um, John O'Driscoll technically is responsible for this um, because it's in the National Protective Service Bureau, which has to leave. And it can't um, continue to sit there because we have a ridiculous situation where we've got the National Protective Service Bureau has got the dual job of eradicating prostitution. And then at the same time, acting as um, the first line of support for sex workers. So when sex workers experience a crime, they are expected to go to the same unit which is responsible for eradicating them, which um, arrests them, which arrests their clients, which evicts them, which you know, speaks horribly about them in the media, is completely disrespectful, um, their senior officers about them in the media, um, instead of being able to go to a neutral unit, so like in Northern Ireland, sex workers can go to a public protection unit, which doesn't have this dual remit of stamping out prostitution. And in the Republic of Ireland, what I've always asked for is, you know, could sex workers not go to the Garden National Diversity and Integration Unit like um, LGBT plus groups and so forth do? But um, it seems to me that unit is just completely... Um, it's it's just uh, it's like not funded or, or something. <laughs> well, it's, it's take not it really. It's not really an operational unit. It's more yeah, I mean, kind of yeah, strategy planning. But this is what I'm t- in duration work. It, it it doesn't do operational stuff. But I think like one of the things there that's so important to point out. I mean, there is obviously the potential under Irish law for sex workers to be criminalised. Um, you know, brothel keeping or whatever it is. But there is that broader issue, and I think that you're pointing at there that, you know, our, our supposed adoption of, of the Nordic model, the way we have, like, it's all about classifying sex workers as trafficking victims. And we want to see it through that lens. And like, 
what runs as an undercurrent to that for me is that nobody would choose this. Um, people only do it because they're highly victimized. And so anyone approaching it, the guards from a different perspective or the state, even from a different perspective, you know, you have to question, is there some sense of like, almost you are asking for it. Like if you're actively choosing to work in this space, um, you know, then you're not the innocent victim um, that we want to rush and protect um, in the same way. And there is, you know, that stigmatizing of sex work is still a play that the only acceptable way we can, we can see it is through a trafficking lens. Would yeah. that chime with your experience? Y- yes. I mean, yeah, it is. It, sex workers are treated the way they are by guardy because they're considered disposable people. Yeah. Um, I mean, the vast majority of guards do not behave extremely abusively towards people unless they dehumanize them first. And that is what is happening with sex workers. They are not considered human in the same way as other people. Um, and so therefore they don't get treated the same way. I mean, just going back to the National Protective Service Bureau, I mean, another thing I've suggested to them is, okay, you want to be sex work liaison officers? Can you take your prostitution enforcement and put it somewhere else? Like, could that go yeah. over to, like, drugs and organized crime or something? You know, yeah. because the problem is the conflict. The problem is it's a ridiculous idea that... Um, you know, helping sex workers is um, coming into their homes, terrifying them, scaring away their clients, arresting their clients, getting them evicted. But this is just helping them. It's not helping them. Um, and, you know, guards can sit there straight faced and say to me, oh, yes, this is, this, is, this is help sex workers. It doesn't help sex workers. And we have to get rid of that ridiculous notion because that's the stuff of, um, you know, fantasy for that. Would help. It, it it sounds like spent the morning talking about to someone about uh, the the decrim uh, on 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 and some a comment was made to me about the idea of you know oh uh, but at least no one really talks about the war on drugs anymore and I said well they bloody well do because they're still that's still policy and this is kind of this echoes of this it, here. Sorry. It's also I mean y- you look at the policing literature even 20, 30 years ago and this is how all violence against women was viewed you know like. Police literature identifies that cops referred to domestic violence as rubbish work, which just really struck me when you were talking, Lucy, you know, and like we're still 20, 30 years behind that when it comes to sex workers. And it it is such a pity because certainly, you know, there's research has been done, let's say, in New Zealand on sex work relationships with police. And since they changed the laws and you allow that space for police not to view sex workers as criminals, but as you know, simply people in a in an industry that brings with it certain dangers, and so they need support and protection. And like, there's really positive evidence emerging of how sex workers will now go to the police with an issue, whether it's it's assault or theft or rape or or whatever it is. Um, and you know, it's so encouraging to see it can be done. You know, it can, and it could be done here. And there's, I mean, although like I personally have had horrible experiences with the Guardi, and I know a lot of sex workers are never going to go to the Guardi because of the horrible experiences they've had. There is equally a group of sex workers who really want to be able to phone the Guardi, yeah. and they're not going to go away. That group, they want that, and you know, I'm all for like uh, consent. You know, people should be able to go to the guards if they want to. They should have that option. It shouldn't be denied to them as an option. I understand why a lot of people don't want to go to the guards. I do understand that. I understand the hurt, the everything that's gone on before. Like, I know why. But 
you know, I want, I wish I could tell sex workers, you know, there was a place you can go, which is set up to not repeat the same mistakes of the past. Um, you know, I wish, I wish the commissioner would care. He came to office. What did he say? He said he was going to focus on vulnerable people and transparency. And, you know, I'm not standing back and looking at policing in general. I can maybe even give um, Drew Harris a good review, like in that he's done quite a lot of good preps, but he, he hasn't done anything for our social group, for sex workers, you know. He, he, that, that hasn't got on, on his list. I don't think it's probably going to get on his list. Um, but I think we have to speak out because um, it's not okay for us to all be silent about what's happening all of the time. And even if it's not going to make a difference this year or next year, we have to start speaking out about the abuse that we're all experiencing. Um, can I ask a question that maybe both of you might have a, a, an opinion on? Is the the idea that you're, you you said... They look through, look at it through the prism of, say, um, human trafficking and, and the trafficking element, and yet they're so unsuccessful in, in that. Like, I think we've only had like what is it, one successful prosecution in in the last you know ten years or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. How does how does that tally if 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 they're not even doing if they're if they're if that's the prism they're looking at it? How does it, how does that tally with the reality? And then it's not even they're not even doing that part of it. Yeah, well, I mean that is another sort of unexplained thing. I mean. I've stopped paying so much attention to organized crime and trafficking because we've just got so much other crime. I try and focus more on like the, where I can make the most impact. But I did for a long time like observe quite closely trafficking and organized crime. And there are, you know, whole decades where the mind just boggles. There is no explanation as to why the Gardaí were not prosecuting people which were blatantly committing these crimes in front of them. Um, and... In terms of explanations, the only things I can offer you is that um, there was a lot of fighting within the Gardaí about who would get the credit for what and that sort of thing. Um, and a lot of operations were destroyed despite infighting, I know. Um, as well as that, the Ireland has different laws to other countries. Um, in the UK, for example, it's very easy to bring trafficking convictions because um, the, for sexual exploitation, you don't have to prove coercion, deceit or um, force. Uh, which makes it very easy to kind of switch a brothel keeping prosecution into a trafficking prosecution very easily. So obviously you're going to expect to have a lot more trafficking prosecutions in the UK than you would in Ireland, which has stricter legislation. But there's no explanation why Ireland wouldn't be prosecuting people for organised prostitution. Um, I could I could I could give you an explanation legally why there haven't been so many trafficking convictions, but I can't give you an explanation why um, why there haven't been so many organised um, prostitution. Um, convictions other than you know also I think the Gardaí don't care about uh, trafficking victims I mean yeah. I think there's a public perception that they do but they don't actually I mean we go back to like episode one of Policed and Maho talking about you know the second your migrancy status is mm. let's say unclear in Ireland in any way or you're potentially applying for citizenship at some point down the line you're going to be super wary of going to the guards and we have lots of documented work of like people who have gone into situations and suddenly their status is under question so rather than being a victim they're now a suspect of breaching those laws um, and, and we haven't we haven't got around that. We haven't, you know, separated that out in the way that the people have asked us to do. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in public, the sound bites on sex trafficking are different. You don't see the Gardaí, you know, referring to sex trafficking victims of such disrespect or anything like that. Like the public sound bite is quite good. It makes it sound like it's good. But in reality, if you have meetings with the guards, 
you know, you, you know, the way they talk about these women, they don't consider them victims. They consider them fraudsters usually, you know, um, and, um, and the irony there being is they're being viewed as fraudsters. And yet the very fact that what you're reporting is people pretending to be guards, which is in itself a crime, no matter, you know, even whatever they do after that, whatever exploitation or theft or assault happens, the very act of pretending to be a guard in and of itself is fraud and is a crime. And yet, as you say, that's not, you know, they should be concerned about that. And they should, because corruption, not. corruption, I mean, Corruption is measured dominantly around the world in perception. And they're allowing a perception of police corruption to thrive. Um, so they should be concerned. Um, absolutely. It makes no sense why they aren't, um, other than they just haven't thought about it that way. And maybe I hope they will think about it that way and they will consider. Um, but um, it, it is bad for their reputation that this is going on. There's not a brand in the world, in the, in, in the corporate world, that wouldn't get really upset if someone was mm. was, was was wrecking their brand. That's that's the that's the reality. Yeah. I mean, there there's so much of that that goes on, and it also kind of strikes me. And again, you can both probably tell me I'm the 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 dumb middle class uh, white man who, who's going to say something stupid. But we see all the outrage recently about ads popping up for you know. Uh, sex for rent. We've seen uh, Ukrainian men saying, "Oh, you know, oh, I'll give a room to a Ukrainian woman only. You know, no kids." Yeah. We see. Um, it's not that long ago. Eva Grace, Eva Grace Moore wrote about uh, men go, uh, men asking women, uh, female solicitors, visiting clients to take off bras in in rooms. I um, I spoke to a prison whistle whistleblower himself who said they would change the CCTV in in areas to ask women uh, who are visiting. Uh, prisoners to to go through all sorts of stuff and we do have some sort of moral outrage when it comes to these but we don't when it comes to sex workers so uh, you know it it, it strikes me yeah. lis- listening to you talk that like there's a huge disconnect there between i suppose it is that dehumanization i mean even if you look at the guards sort of reply to why they've not done anything about this it's that we don't take anonymous reports you know we don't take third-party reports but yet they have a whole hate crime online system set up to take third party reports for hate crimes, which they recognize for crimes they recognize as hate crimes for minority groups by LGBT plus. You know, they have a human trafficking hotline to take anonymous tips. I mean, in every other area of life, it seems like they do take reports, but they just it's just in the case of sex work. They don't take reports unless the victims will come in and make statements and they know that the victims won't come in and make statements as a rule because they are terrified of the Gargi. Um, And so they flick it back to, oh, nothing we can do. You know, no one came in and made a statement. But, uh, or they put it back, they put the work back to us. They say like, you know, can ugly marks convince sex workers to come in and make statements? And, you know, I have like 50, 100 times in my life done that, but they have to do some work and they have to stop being so horrible to sex workers. Um, and so sex workers can go to them. It can't, it, there shouldn't be a third party that sex workers have to go through. Sex workers should be able to go direct to them. They should be doing the work to make it acceptable, um, to make themselves not monsters to sex workers. Um, and so people can go to them direct. Like it's not, that's not my job. It's their job. They need to do the work. We also need to see like change at a, a national policy level. I mean, it's completely unacceptable to me that the current leader of the Labour Party, for instance, doesn't recognise this as a genuine kind of 
occupation and space of work from the Labour Party. Like that's that's really, really incredulous. And we've seen it in the past in issues where the guards, let's say, haven't been doing what they should have, like gender based violence, that the second you get that public outcry in relation to it, um, you know, the shift that has happened in terms of the policing of domestic violence since um, the pandemic started really um, has really been quite exceptional. They, they can be forced to change as well. I mean, there's yeah. the amount they should be doing themselves. But if national policy pushed in this space, they will be forced to do it. Um, and so, you know, this isn't just about the guards. It's it's about a national conversation as well. There is a review currently underway about the sex work legislation. Um, are, are you at all optimistic for that process? Um, I'm not very optimistic. I mean, I would point out that there was a review in Northern Ireland, which was uh, both before and after the law, which were strong academic reviews, and they came out with clear answers that this wasn't working. But we didn't see legislative change as a response. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what this review will deliver. But even if it delivered something, we could feel like, okay, we've been listened to to some extent. We don't know if there's going to be any change. I mean, I really like when I see the policing authority and those. Um, you know, talking to the guards about domestic violence and they have those little graphs they've done of, um, you know, statistics and, and stuff like, you know, I mean, I nearly cry like because I've, I've never seen a guard care that much about a sex worker, but they would do a graph like, you know, but like we've never known such, we've never been that important. And that's what we need. Like we need to be important enough that someone would actually look at, read a document, mm-hmm. look at statistics, care enough. Um, and someone senior, it has to be, it can't be, unfortunately, low down, lower down guards um, to do something. The last question for me, and it's probably going to probably, <laughs> probably a bit mean of me, but um, Vicky, you you sent me, I think, the audio from from the meeting um, that they were talking, discussing sex work and the Nordic model. And I think and our um, our Dublin mayor, Alison Gilliland of the Labour Party, referred to um Refer to basically the work of, of the likes of Ugly Mugs and others as as uh, people who can spend their days on Twitter and they're the the noisy uh, the noisy minority is how they were, you were referred to, um, and that is you know in the seat of as I said that's the mayor of Dublin talking and that was the, the these people and and she was thanked I believe by the by one of the contributors for for pointing that out. Um, that seems like we're an awful long way from the changes that we need. Yeah, and women police are really, I mean, that, that that was a shocking experience. And I've lodged complaints with everybody about that, the commissioner included. You know, he hosted that event. He allowed that. Um, but, I mean, I think everybody knows that God of sexual violence is a problem. Um, and everyone knows it's been brewing under the surface for so many years. There's so much of it. I have friends who have got nothing to do with sex work who've been harassed and assaulted by guards. Every, um, within the guard Shikana female uh, officers are being assaulted by uh, male guards everyone knows this has been a problem but what my fear is like i know it's going to come out at some point what a big problem guard sexual violence is but my fear is it's going to be like the magdalene laundries and it's going to be sexual violence was a problem against everybody again but apart from this one group sex workers which are going to be excluded and that conference was really an example of women police punching down on the marginalized and, you know, I would ask women police and we've got some new women police from uh, quite high up who I have some hope for, you know, having listened to them present things and so forth. Like, you know, and I would hope like, you know, women, please don't punch down on sex workers. Um, it, you know, please don't do that. Um, please don't make it a case where 
we have a discussion about vi- guard of violence against women and we talk about guard of violence against all types of women other than sex workers. Um, I think we leave it there, folks. Uh, we'll be back. Actually, I'm, I'm back this afternoon with um, a new vo- a new voice has been sent sent to me uh, for, uh, by, from Hannah Salah in uh, in Gaza. She's she's linked me up with a new journalist who I'm looking just forward to speak to. So the podcasts are coming thick and fast. Uh, I would say do check out Ugly Mugs. Absolutely. Um, we'll, the link is in the bio to this podcast and. It is a political issue as well. I mean, we have to have those conversations with our local TDs. Find out what their what their views are on it as well. I know I've asked uh, I've asked everybody in my constituency to the point where uh, they don't like talking to me very often about many things. But nonetheless, that's the onus on us. Uh, Lucy Smith, thank you so much for talking to us today. Uh, thank you for the work that you guys do. And and Vicky, it's been good to share this uh, this this little platform with you again. Thanks for having me. Talk to you thank soon, you. folks. Thank you both so much. Thank you.